Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Julie Martella, founder of Navigating Widowhood, where I specialize in providing life support to widowed men and women as they answer the question, now what? Are you ready to do this? Let's go. Hey friends, I'm so glad you're here. Today, I want to talk to you about friendship. And I actually want to challenge you to learn how to be a useless friend. (laughs) That's what we're going to call the podcast today. And believe it or not, this is a guide to authentic connections. And yes, authentic connections exist with useless friends, but not in the context that you are thinking of. All right. This episode is brought to you because of a lunch that I had last week with a friend. And at the end of the lunch, I told my friend, I said, aren't you glad to have such a useless friend as me? (laughs) And he looked at me and he said, well, I really don't think you're useless. And I said, oh no, but I am. And this was what I was saying. I have nothing to offer him except me, right? I have nothing to offer except my enjoyment of him and his enjoyment of my company. We get together once in a while. We might have a meal. We talk about the joys of being widowed or widowed people, right? And that is our relationship. He can do nothing for me to make my life better. I can do nothing for him to improve upon his life. Therefore, I was arguing that I am the perfect, useless friend. So today, let's explore an intriguing aspect of friendships, particularly after the experience of loss. Now, you probably don't need to go very far to imagine this. You've been through a significant loss. I don't know, say the loss of your spouse or partner, and suddenly... The friends that you thought were close, maybe your brunch buddies, maybe your office confidants, maybe your poker pals, they just seem to fade away. This is a common yet challenging part of navigating widowhood. And I would argue that part of getting through the transition of widowhood is dealing with this secondary loss, which is the loss of friendships, the loss of all the people that you thought were going to be around. But once the dust has settled, you realize only a few are left. So what do you do? Well, one of the things that you're going to have to do is, first of all, you're going to cherish the ones who stayed with you. And then you're going to begin a journey to forge new bonds and new friendships. And maybe you can aim to become what I call a useless friend. (laughs) So this might sound a little unconventional, but I'm telling you, in my life after loss and with the many relationships that I have created with widowed people, this is the perfect friendship to have. So before we can talk about why this is the perfect relationship, let's talk about 
other relationships. And in order to go back to other relationships, I want to tell you about, first of all, I want to tell you about two different people. Number one, I need to tell you about um, Arthur C. Brooks, who wrote the book, How to Have a Better Life. And he is an amazing uh, researcher on happiness. And he wrote the book with Oprah. I, I may have the title like one word off, but it's pretty close. He's the first person to have coined this. Well, he's the first person that I heard of that coined this expression, the useless friend. He's also the person who pointed me towards Aristotle because he talked about Aristotle's friendship ladder. So this is what Aristotle had to say. So I went and took a look. Aristotle proposed the friendship ladder as a framework to understand the different layers of friendship. And the ladder has three distinct rungs, each representing a type of friend. And if you think about this, as I go through the ladder, you may realize, oh yeah, I had one of those friends. Oh yeah, Nancy's one of those friends. All right, so here we go. The bottom rung of the ladder at the base These are your utility-based friendships. These are the friendships that are mainly transactional, okay? There's something that you get from these relationships. They have mutual benefit. So maybe they provide a networking opportunity. So maybe you go to a club, oh, maybe you go to the Rotary, and you meet with these people once a month, and you network, and you, you share connections and camaraderie. Maybe it is a hobby, or maybe you're picking up kids from carpool or their sporting events friends, right? There's something where you have mutual gains. You get something, they get something. Super easy. And the connection, so this is what you need to know. The connection is often temporary, serving the immediate need. So in the sports, so like when my kids were in sports, Friends with, you know, the different parents on the team and we would share duties, right? So these were the needs that need to be met. We worked together to meet the needs. We helped each other. It was a utility-based friendship. Guess what? The emotional bonds are very low on these friendships. And you will find that when the events, like when the club membership ends or the country club or the sports, when they end the friendship will often just kind of fizzle out. Nothing's wrong with them. You just don't have that utilitarian function anymore. So that's the bottom run. And are you wondering or are you thinking in your head, hey, I know someone that I had that relationship with, okay? All right, let's go to the middle. So going up a couple rungs. Now we jump into what he called pleasure-based friendships, And these friendships are rooted in shared interests, in maybe shared humor, maybe enjoyable activities or sports. Maybe you uh, do club activities. Maybe you go golfing or you do Habitat for Humanity or you go to parades or you train for bicycle races together. You're doing a pleasurable activity and that is the basis of the friendship. So as you can imagine, these bonds are stronger and this relationship is more emotionally fulfilling than the utility-based ones, but these relationships are still contingent 
on the shared experiences or hobbies. So if I go to knitting club or if I go to book club once a month, I love the people in book club. But when I quit going to book club, usually most of those relationships, again, just fizzle out. There's nothing wrong. Nothing bad happened. This is the function of the relationship. And sometimes, I just want to tell you, sometimes we think, well, what went wrong? But when you can look at it from Aristotle's point of view, you can see, you know, nothing actually went wrong. Different relationships have different functions. Okay. The last relationship that Aristotle talked about is number three, and you go to the top of the ladder. This is the most profound type of relationship, and he called it the perfect friendship or the virtue-based friendship. These are not based on what someone can do for us or the pleasure that they can provide. These relationships are founded on mutual respect, admiration, and a deep understanding of each other's virtues. These relationships are pursued for their own sake and are deeply fulfilling. This is the relationship that Arthur Brooks called being the useless friend. Okay? These friendships. So when I go back to the lunch that I had with my friend, this friend and I, we share the bond of widowhood. We, we understand each other's virtues. There's, a, there's this feeling of mutual respect for how he's struggling and working and creating and how I am. There's nothing else. I'm not looking for any utility from this relationship. I'm not looking for a carpool buddy. I'm not looking for a book club buddy. I'm not looking for a golfing buddy. I am just enjoying this person for who they are. And they are just enjoying me for who I am. That I don't bring anything to the table except maybe the ability to make that person smile and laugh. I am a useless friend. I am a perfect friend. I have a virtue-based friendship. And what a great thing to have. What a great thing to have. So in my life after, right, since my husband died, I, of course, lost a bunch of friends. And and once again, I didn't do anything and they didn't do do anything. They just fizzled. But I've also made some amazing friendships. I speak at conferences. I have a lot of... Um, internet connections and Facebook connections and we do Zoom calls and there's a lot of interacting with people and I meet people. I made the decision as I moved forward. I want to meet people for who they are. I am not going to be concerned with what they can do for me because I don't care. I don't need anyone to do anything for me, right? I've reached the age that most of what I need, I can take care of. But what I need is I need people who are walking this journey called life. And I want to share that with them. And, and I want to, to give us a space where we can take a break from grief and give us a space where we can laugh 
and have joy and talk about whatever it is we want to talk about. And that is, I'm pursuing the relationship for the sake of the relationship. And those relationships, my friends, are deeply fulfilling. Sometimes I am shocked to find out what these people actually do in their real life. Like some of these people are like hoity-toity and super fancy, (laughs) but not to me. To me, they are just, you know, just George, just Dan, just Margot. And they are beautiful souls that I have connected with and we are sharing life. So that's what I'm proposing here. Now, we have this thing, and so I'm tying this in because we have this thing called the real friend paradox. And it is a fascinating concept that actually can challenge your understanding of friendships. The paradox is this. The most valuable friends in your life are the ones you don't actually need in a practical sense. So these are the friendships that I'm talking about. I don't need anything from these people. These are friends who are important, who are important, not for any tangible benefits they provide, but simply for who they are. So as you go about you're going to be making new friends, right? This is something that's just part of your reconstruction of 2.0. You're going to make new friends. You're going to hold on to some of these old friends. And the ones that you held on to, they were in fact probably virtue-based friends or useless friends. They're your 3 a.m. friends. Do you notice that these are the people you could call if something really good or bad happened? Are these the people you could call at 3 o'clock in the morning? If something was going wrong or you were scared, are these the people that you could sit with and do nothing? These are your golden friends. In the landscape of real friendships, being useless means actually being invaluable. It's about being present, being supportive and being authentic without any underlying motive. Can you imagine having that friend? Can you imagine being that friend? Isn't that a wonderful goal to aspire to? It's the idea that the truest form of friendship is one in when there is where there is no utility other than the joy of being together, the joy of just sharing life for that moment, right? When I go to lunch with my friends, we're just sharing one hour of life. And then we go back to whatever it is that we do, right? Being a superhero, solving world peace, or making a podcast. <laughs> this is where the deepest connections are formed, my friends, in the space where nothing is needed, but everything is shared. Did you hear that? This is where the deepest connections are formed. In the space where nothing is needed, but everything is shared. This is your goal, my friends. This is what I'm proposing, how to be a useless friend. 
I encourage you to embrace the role of a useless friend. In this context, as you have learned from our podcast, useless is far from a negative term. It's about fostering relationships where the focus is on genuine connection, not utility, or pleasure alone. In these friendships, you offer the best gift possible, your authentic self. So how do you apply this in your life? Well, start by reflecting on your current friendships, the ones that kept that stayed around. Which rung do they fall into on Aristotle's ladder? Then, consciously strive to be that friend who isn't needed for anything, but is actually cherished for everything. Be present, listen deeply, and connect authentically. Those are your three things, my friends. That's it. Like, that's literally all you have to do. They could be the president of the world. I don't even want to say a country. The president of the world. All everyone needs is someone who can listen deeply, be present, and connect authentically. In these useless friendships, you will discover a profound sense of fulfillment and joy. I promise you. In our journey of self-discovery and personal growth after the loss of our spouse or partner, Redefining our approach to friendships can be incredibly empowering. You may have made friends on autopilot when you were married or partnered, but by aiming to be and to have useless friends, you can open yourself up to the most honest and fulfilling relationships. These are the friendships that can withstand life's tests right? Like the test of loss. And they can also bring you true joy. And if you want to talk about this some more, remember, you can find me over at Navigating Widowhood. And as always, I'm here to help and I will see you soon. That's a wrap on this episode. I hope you're leaving with the pocket full of strategies. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to subscribe, share with a friend, or even better, leave a review. You can always find me over at Navigating Widowhood. And as always, I am here to help. Until next time.